Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between to another episode of Teen It Up with C&B. I'm your host, Connor, and I'm here with the V, Vladdy. Uh, it looks like I made you spit out some of your... some of your Ladies and gentlemen and everything in between. I love it. In 2022, maybe the we best... got some dogs. No, some in 2022, that's the, that's the best way to, inc- to make sure everyone's included. I love it. Jesus. How are you, sir? You usually ask me first. Let me let me let me turn the tides. How have you been? How was your weekend? How's your last week been? Uh, good, man. Just chilled. Um, had a good weekend. Didn't do a ton. Uh, went out to watch some football Saturday afternoon. Um, as I'm sure we'll get into. Um, got to watch probably the first full Lions game I watched in a while. To be honest, and it was because they won. Um, <laughs> leading into a nice day off today. Although I spent the bulk of today reading books, but, um, uh, you know, that's, tis the season now that we're into November, got a month until my finals. So it's that season. How about you, man? How are you doing? Um, pretty good. I don't know. Uh, work's been going really, really, really well lately. So I know I've kind of kept you and some, uh, some close friends updated, but for those who uh, might not know, I mean, I, I forgot how much, if I went into it at all last week, but, um, my my boss came to me last week, asked if I wanted to become kind of a full time employee there at General Dynamics. Um, kind of uh, as I've been a contractor the last six months, and then actually on uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, he came up to me and said, "Hey man, uh, do you feel about going to Arizona?" And I was like, "Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd love to go. What's what, what's going?" He's like, "Oh well, if some timing doesn't work out with one of the other senior engineers, we would we would look at sending you instead just to be present for some testing and stuff." But so it's just one of those where it works going really well because I feel like I mean, obviously they wouldn't ask me to become a full time hire; they wouldn't start sending me places if they didn't if they weren't happy with the work I'm doing. So it's nice kind of seeing that reward for putting the effort in. I know I'm often the kind of guy to like self deprecate and make everything into a joke, but it is nice to see everything kind of work out and kind of go forward with life and for the professional career. Right. Yeah. No, that is awesome to hear. Now is that just, so you said testing. So I was going to ask, is it a conference or are they sending you? To- so it's, um, I would be going to a subcontractor. Oh, okay. I, I'd be going to a subcontractor and we'd be, uh, I think that specific test would be some uh, calibration for some some power unit. Um, nothing, nothing too special. It's not like they're sending me down there to go look at one of the tanks, but right. That's uh, a step. Maybe maybe one, maybe one stuff. Maybe one day. What? Some area fifty one stuff or? Oh, I, yeah. Not not particularly. I'm not that. N- no secret clearances for me. With my name, not yet. Gonna, they're gonna, they're not going to be too happy with my name. <laughs> yeah actually, right. yeah uh, i won't say what i was gonna say that's probably not something <laughs> in public well let's get into it um i mean the college football playoff rankings just came out i'm talking five minutes ago so we can kind of give our first first interactions kind of a live look um how do you want to do this? I know I kind of just told you those before we started. Do you want, to, you want me to kind of read them off for everyone else, even though they'll have seen it by the time this is up, and then we can kind of go from there? Or what are you feeling? Um, Yeah, let's read them off real quickly, and then we can kind of make comments as we go down the list. Okay. So at number 10 – no, actually, I'll start for number one because I think uh, the number one doesn't really matter. And kind of as we go down is where the uh, questions – not maybe not questions, but the storylines begin – so 
Uh, the number one, Georgia, number two, Ohio State, number three, Michigan, number four, TCU, number five, Tennessee, number six, LSU, or not LSU, number six, Oregon, number seven, LSU, number eight, USC, number nine, Alabama, and number 10, Clemson. So do you want to just... Do you want to maybe go down that list, talk about each team, what it all means, and maybe we can get into some more hypotheticals afterwards? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Let's uh, let's start. What do you want to start? Pop. Let's start at the top, just because it's yeah. the easiest. Uh, Georgia, um, at times, I mean, the only thing I can really say is at times they've looked slow against lesser opponents, and maybe that's just because they're bored. They finally kind of got over that hump. They lost that kind of killer instinct. And now when they play those teams where they know we are better than you, we're more talented you, we're more athletic than you, they just kind of coast. And that's not that hasn't cost them yet, but there was two games, Kent State and Missouri specifically, where they looked very lethargic. But in the two games where they played real teams, Tennessee and Oregon, they've absolutely hammered them. So right, the best team in the country. There, there's no question. Yeah, there's no question, and I think I think all worries of them, you know, struggling against poor opponents are completely out the window when they played two basically in the hunt playoff teams on this list and have beaten them by what a combined 63. So or 49 to three 63. Yeah, whatever. 61 um, in those two games. So I, I don't know if there's any question marks with them moving forward. The defense is, I don't know how you, when you lost so many guys from last year's just electric up defense to again, having just as an electric of a defense this year, it just speaks to kind of the recruiting and the ability to replenish talent and coaching. Um, but yeah, they're by far the best team as we speak right now. Yep. Um, let's go to number two, Ohio state. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know on Ohio state. I do go kind of back and forth with them because they're, they are like the number three team we're about to talk about are the CEO of bad starts. And sometimes it's cost them and, that they've had to play closer games and I think they should have. Um, CJ Stroud has had a solid year. I mean, he's in every poll I see for the Heisman top five. I don't know if yep. that's warranted. I mean, the numbers will definitely be there because it's Ohio state and he's got so many weapons and it is still probably, we talk about Georgia being the most electrifying defense. Ohio state is probably the most electrifying offense um, when they are following up filing they're not filing papers firing on all cylinders so yeah. you got on Ohio State yeah um I, I don't really have too much more to add like you said they've got so many playmakers um they're kind of hurt right now Travion Henderson missed a couple right. games uh Jackson Smith and Jigba's barely played this season however kind of like that Georgia defense they've just completely reloaded Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like the best receiver in football looks like he's gonna be better than his dad which is at, I'm not, actually that's a little twirly to say that I was say. he looks like he can be better than his dad I mean the routes he's running the catches the the the, the feet placement the awareness to keep to keep himself in bounds he looks incredible and for those the, for those dynasty players maybe there's a tank for Marvin Harrison senior or junior season coming but no, uh, moving on to number three, um, Michigan. Um, I know, like you said, it to me, it's kind of 2A and 2B. I don't think either of those teams have really done anything yet to uh, kind of distinguish themselves from the other. They've both taken care of absolutely everything they've needed to take care of. They haven't really played close games. They've, they're more talented I think, than the rest. 
I think the sorry to cut you off. I think the only distinguishing thing for me um, between the two is you're right. Is that like Michigan has literally gone unchallenged. Ohio State has played Notre Dame. They have played Penn State already. So that well, Michigan they, played them as well. They they murdered them. They oh, made it right. look like it wasn't a challenge. That's right. Brain fart. I was thinking total brain fart. I was thinking MSU because MSU hasn't played Penn State. <laughs> ah, God. But then you're right. You're right. They take it. Uh, they've taken care of the limited blemishes that they've had to take care of. Um, I don't know. Again, Michigan team of slow starts. Like you look at, they were down at the half uh, this on Saturday against Rutgers, and you thought maybe maybe Michigan would just implode on themselves like they do seem to like to do every year. Um, but they figured it out and looked like a top four team in the second. Oh, absolutely. The one that yeah, no, my one critique of Michigan will be. Uh... I don't know if I call it the red zone scoring, but just the ability to finish drives. You saw it against Michigan State kicking five field goals. You will not beat Ohio State and Columbus kicking five field goals. Um, And I think I want to say, if I remember correctly, we're kicking a little bit against Rutgers at the beginning of the game. I think it was at 14-13 at half, if I'm not fully mistaken. And then obviously, like you said, they turned it on. But that's that's my one worry of Michigan is can you can you find the end zone that when you're playing the best of the best, you, you're not going to win with field goals. You're going to have to, you're going to have to score points. Um, the other thing though, is I also feel like these, ra- th- those two rankings specifically do not matter because no. those two teams are not going to get passed by TCU. They will not get passed by Tennessee and they're not going to get passed by Oregon. So they will be two and three going into that game in Columbus. And the winner yeah. of that is going to continue on to the big dirt, to the big 10 title game. And then we assume the playoff because the West sucks. And the loser will need a lot of a lot of help from the rest yeah. of college football to have a chance. And I kind of got into it today with uh, some random on Twitter. It was kind of funny because his reading comprehension was not very good. But um, let, let's move on to number four. Maybe we, Elon uh, Musk can fix that for you. Okay, we'll get some more some higher level readers for you to with on. Twitter. I would appreciate that if you're listening, Elon. Please do that. Please, uh, please get rid of the trolls. Um, number four, TCU. Um, I think I think they might be the the last unbeaten team if there is one unbeaten team that isn't a Power Five school. So be it. But I think TCU is the. I think those are the four unbeaten teams in the FBS. So I don't really have any issues with it. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to. They're beaten the teams they've played. the The Big Twelve is relatively deep. Um, so it's not like they're out there just hammering on. Let's say the Big Ten, where you might play one ranked opponent all season if you are a ranked opponent yourself. Um, I'm going to criticize TCU in that they're ranked wins. I mean, you want to go down it now. Oklahoma's three and two unranked. Kansas is Kansas has fallen off a cliff after their QB got hurt. Yeah, Oklahoma State lost again. They're going to be unranked. Kansas State, I believe, still might be ranked. But oh, uh, I'll pull, I'll be looking at it right now. Yeah, you've got Texas at six and three, who they haven't played yet. Um, Kansas State is six and three, and then yeah, you're right. Those are yeah, Oklahoma cool. State's been dropped. Okay, well, they're kind of there by default. I actually don't. I think the Big Twelve is. I mean, you can make the argument it's just as good as the Big Ten because the Big Ten sucks. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see. I mean, you, like you said, they just taking care of business. They're kind of there by default because they have taken care of their business as opposed to some other teams. Um, I mean, you look at it the rest of the way. They have Texas at Texas next week. That's Ooh, the, under the is lights. That big, is that, that big noon? Oh, that's not even big noon. Come on, Fox. It's the 7.30 game. So, I mean, you look at that. Texas is a seven-point favorite. Wow. Uh, don't know how that's possible. But 
Hey, yeah. Vegas always knows. Remember when we were top 10 in America going to uh, Washington and Washington was favored and then they beat us by 70? Yeah. Vegas knows. And, yeah, and then you play a solid Baylor team who, I mean, has had a disappointing season, but they're still yep. six at Baylor. Um, yep. So still still a lot of work to be done for TCU to stay in that fourth spot. Yeah, but, I mean, the one thing that I do kind of like, though, is you do have your you have your unbeatens at the top. Um Let's move on to number five, Tennessee. I don't hate it. Uh, I think Tennessee and Oregon are kind of in a similar Ohio State, Michigan, where I can't really distinguish either of them in the sense that you've got one terrible loss to Georgia apiece. Um, obviously, Tennessee has got a bigger win with Alabama, yeah, which I'm sure, gave them, I'm sure that gave them the edge here. But I think it's just one of those where – this is kind of a nothing burger spot for me in terms of the rankings where they can stay like this. They might not stay like this, but Oregon having the opportunity to play that 13th game that Tennessee will not have the opportunity to play will give them more than enough chance to get into the playoffs. So I don't, I, I, I'm also of the mindset where I don't think this really matters here. Um, yeah. It's not going to matter too. Cause um, Oregon is also going to have to take care of a lot of business to close yep. up. Right. They're yeah. going to, they have to play a seven and two Washington team, who's twenty fifth in the country. They play a seven and two Utah team, who's thirteenth in the country, and then they play their rivalry game against Oregon State, who's six and three. So they have oh, yeah. three, no losable games to end the season. Yeah, no, I mean the Oregon offense looks amazing. Um, well, next looks great. I mean, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Since the Georgia game, they've not put up less than 40 points. That's yeah. that's a pretty good that those are Ohio State numbers that we just yeah. said it's the most explosive offense. That's pretty good. Um I kind of root for Oregon. Uh I, I would like to see them. I would like to see a team representing the uh the West, West Coast. Uh, I'm I'm I might throw my hat into the Oregon train and I know that that means that they're gonna lose against uh whoever they're playing now because that's how it goes for any team yeah. they choose to go for. But I don't know. I, I have a hard time with Oregon and TCU because, I mean, Oregon very well could take care of business. I think Utah is going to give them trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, Where you look at TCU, again, is also has two very reputable games of their three left. And then you look in between, and do you want to hear who Tennessee plays the rest of the season? Uh, well, they're going to have an FCS school because I know the SEC only plays a conference. So they, do, so they play all SEC schools, but they play oh, probably, wow. probably the three worst. So eh, maybe Vandy, not. what, Vandy, Mississippi State, and... Vandy, Missouri, and South Carolina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are, yeah, those are not winning. Those are not winning combinations. So, I mean, yeah, you're looking at an 11-1 and one Tennessee. Um. Seven and one, though only twelve games. Yep. Let's move on to. I mean, number seven LSU after that big win against Alabama. Huge. Um, I think this is where I'm not going to say question because I'm not really sure who USC's beaten so far, other than what actually have they even played Utah. I'll look it up. Oh no, they lost to him. Yeah, so USC's one losses to Utah. I mean, so and they haven't. Then they won't play Oregon in the regular season. So. Yeah, Those but do you want to hear Utah's – or USC, another team, they play UCLA at UCLA and Notre Dame to season. Mm -hmm. Hey, those those are some losable games. But I guess what I was trying to say was um, it's kind of that big thing where, oh, LSU has two losses, USC has one. Why is one team ahead of the other? I don't necessarily hate the placement. The only thing that I'm 
a little fearful of is that the committee's trying to set LSU up for a chance to get in as a two-loss champion should they beat Georgia. I think they're, I think they're trying to because I mean, I think ESPN and all their and all their SEC love is sitting there and they're telling themselves, we put LSU into seven. Maybe by the time one of those teams ahead of them, like we just said, with tough schedules loses, you can move them up to six. And then if you beat Georgia, I mean, how do you like how do you keep that out? Yeah, I agree, and I would, I I would take them over. What would this be? A, a USC or Oregon, probably, right? I think. I mean, I'll, I'll say. What, what, I kind of want to get to the hypotheticals after this. Let's just kind of run down the list. The last couple teams. Um, USC. Well, I'm looking at USC, who is a team that has kind of just slowly gained traction all year. They haven't played anybody. The only team they played was Utah, and they lost by one. Yeah. I mean, Alabama. Um, seven and two. I don't hate the placement of them, to be completely no. honest, because I know we were talking about this on Saturday with uh, with you and Nick, and it was like, oh, well, Alabama's only lost to the top two teams in America by a combined two points. Well, they're also two plays away from also losing to Texas and Texas A&M. So yeah. I, think, I think having them as a two-loss team is incredibly fair, and I think their ranking is also incredibly fair. This is not a we've we've said it's not a vintage team. They don't pass block. They don't run as dominantly as they have in the past. The defense is a little bit more prone to giving up the the, the kind of the big play. And so I don't I don't hate the placement. They are officially out of contention. And then looking down at Clemson at eight and one, you I think that loss to uh, Notre Dame, I think that killed Clemson. I think the ACC yes, now they're done. I actually think like Clemson's at ten, correct? We said. Yep. I think Clemson's like I think Clemson's trash, and that they're only there because they're they only have one loss. I think they they easily are like the twentieth best team in the country. Oh, I don't know about twenty, but yeah, I think it's one of those where it's just they don't have that high powered offense to hang with the big boys anymore. And when you get into a location like South Bend, Indiana, where the fans make a little bit of some noise and make some difference, and DJ gets a little nervous. It'll happen to you, and as good of a defense as they have, as all those NFL players, the high end talent they have there, that's it. Just wasn't enough, and I don't blame them. I think I, th- I also think, yeah, I think ten's a very fair assessment of Clemson right now. They've scraped by and wins, so I mean, so I guess um, moving on to the kind of the hypotheticals I've mentioned a couple times already. I kind of want to start with the first one. Do you see a scenario where two SEC schools get in? I do, um, and I think it requires it requires the Pac-12 to be out. So okay. I think so. I actually think, and I think it's a really real possibility because I think you're gonna end up seeing. See, I don't know because I think I think Oregon very well could be have one loss and then have to play a USC team. I think Oregon's very clearly the best team on that side. That It's very possible. But you would need them to lose at some point. You would need a two-loss Pac-12, which is doable because we yep. did both of them have big games. Yep. Big games left in the schedule. Um, you would need that, and you would need, at the very least, a one-loss big TCU. Yep. Um, next question. Do you see a scenario where two Big Ten teams get in? Um, I think it's gonna hurt, hurt the, no, I don't, I think, 
I think the schedule, it's a rare thing to say in the Big Ten, and it hurts my heart, but I think the schedule is 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 not going to be there for a one-loss non-champion. So, why, in, in that scenario, why do you give Tennessee the edge over, let's say, whatever it might be, OSU or Michigan? Would, would you say the win uh, against Alabama is the it one? Would be or? The, it would be the win against – well, I'll go I'll go through TCU's – or TCU, Tennessee's – Tennessee's wins before I say something dumb. Okay. Off the top of my head, yes, it would be it would be the Alabama win. It would be the fact that you're you beat in Alabama, you beat Kentucky, who was ranked at the time. You I beat, think Kentucky still is. You beat LSU by thirty. Uh, you beat a good Pitt team. You beat a Florida team that was ranked at the time. I mean, you had some good win. I mean, you had a lot more. I guess it's really not that much better now that I look at at it. What's, what's Kentucky? Kentucky's 24. So, yeah, I mean, so that's still a good win. You beat them by 34. You beat LSU by 27. I mean, they're going to have two top top 10 wins by yep. a lot of points, too. I mean, um, it's close, but I, I just think the schedule is – unfortunately, say Michigan loses especially, they'll, they'll, they'll have played one ranked team that wasn't Ohio State. And that's if Penn State stays alive, which we know they don't like to at the end of the year. Yeah, so I I think um, I see a scenario in which it happens, but I think it requires whoever the loser of that game is to have played a very close game and to not have it be a blowout. Because I, I think you set yourself up where if Tennessee were to get in, they would be the four seed. I mean, yeah. at 11 and one, you can't be the three seed. You haven't right. played a conference title game. So you would be setting up for a rematch against Georgia. And then you could, then you would have the argument of the committee saying, well, we already watched that game and they didn't even belong yeah. on the same field. as okay. So I think the only way the big 10 gets two in is obviously whoever wins or whoever, or whoever loses that game doesn't get blown out. If they're playing final possession, maybe it goes into overtime, whatever it might be. If that if that is a close game, I think maybe you get the nod solely because everyone's already seen Tennessee try and play, play Georgia and it didn't end well. And I yeah, think and it's, maybe- a, it's a weird thing to me too because you bring up a good point about um, the committee doesn't want to see a game that's already happened, and when especially when Tennessee looks like a. a a JV team on Saturday. Yep. But at the same time, we we know it's all for ratings, and I don't think uh it's it, it'll be interesting because it's it's two humongous brands in Ohio State and Michigan going mm-hmm. to see which is an SEC equally as large brand that people really want to see in in the playoff. So it'd be it, like as far as the the ratings and the conspiracy theory goes for that fourth spot in that case scenario, there is I don't know who you give the edge to in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, the other hypothetical I wanted to play is I know we've been dogging Michigan for their schedule. They look pretty smart for that schedule. Yeah. And here's why I say that. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of zero in on Oregon. Eight and one with a loss to Georgia. Do you think that if Oregon had scheduled their local high school team or whatever the equivalent is out in the West Coast, Hawaii or Portland State or whatever, Idaho for all I care, maybe Boise State, whatever it might be, they'd be 9-0 and they would probably be number four in America right now, right? Yeah, I would I would think so. Uh, and 
that seems a lot better than scheduling. And like, yeah, you might not have found out about your team. Maybe they lose another game if they don't schedule that because they haven't learned what needed to be learned. That's um, that's the one thing I think that does kind of is interesting to bring up is with the current system where there is only four schools in your margin for error if you don't start very highly ranked. What's the incentive to play? Big, I'm not going to say big time, but what's the incentive to play other Power 5 schools? Look at Michigan State. If we don't schedule Washington, if we schedule Youngstown State or Grand Valley for all we care, and we, we're 3-0, and maybe our season turns differently. I'm not saying we start winning more games, but maybe we're not 4-5. and if, if Washington doesn't break us mentally, maybe we beat Minnesota. Maybe we beat Maryland. Maybe we're four and one going into OSU instead of what is it, two and four, two and three, whatever it might have been. I'm I'm gonna play the the Oregon case scenario and just take that um test sample specifically out instead of just the general um answer. And yep. that like um I forget who we were talking about earlier. Oh, USC. Oregon, but other than UCLA, who is six and one and ranked. Uh, well, they haven't played anybody either. Anybody. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, BYU was ranked at the time. Season kind of fell apart, so can't really give credit there. Um, but that's and that's what I'm saying is with the way and this is like uh, maybe we can get into this on like a later episode where we have a little bit more time. But I'm so torn on the expansion of the playoff. I, I I like it. I just like I, I I like it from the simple dumb football watcher presence that it's more ranked teams playing more ranked teams. And I know you're gonna have your stinkers in there, and you're probably gonna have an exponential amount of stinkers. But it's still, to me, it's still. Be- I'd rather see those those stinkers and have it in my head that it could not be a stinker, than have more, just bowl games that don't mean anything. I'd rather have a blowout in a game that means something than the watch the Alamo Bowl go to double overtime. That's fair. No, yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I I agree with that, but I also see points where I, I don't agree with expansion, such as if in a sport that's not designed for parity, college football is designed for you build a brand or you have a brand that was built over 100 years and you abuse it. You recruit better than the other guys. You play better than the other guys. You're in a sport that's designed like that, there really isn't room for error. In the NFL, I understand when a six-loss team wins a division because every team is made to beat each other. Oh, you suck this year? You get to play other sucky teams. You get better draft picks. You can get better players. It's not the case with college. So I, I do like the college model. Of I want to see the best of the best. I don't want to see, as we're looking right now, a two-loss, maybe a three-loss Utah at the time go and have to play 17 or no Georgia. The other thing that you I, eventually I, will get to see Georgia play Ohio state. Like you still will eventually get to see you them. will this is why I don't understand that. They're like, Oh, that's just going to be so many blots. You're eventually going to get your national championship. Just like you will, but there's also more to, I think you devalue the regular season. I think you devalue. We we've said basically every Saturday for the last two months, is this is a great slate of games. This is an important slate of games. Do you think Tennessee and or do you think the Tennessee Georgia game would mean as much as it just did if there was a 12 team playoff and both teams knew they were in? I don't. I still think it would get to the casual fan. 
it would get the same amount of viewership because they just see the numbers on it and go, oh, that's that's one verse three. That's a good game. I'm gonna turn that. I don't think they're really the general fan is so when they're watching an individual game. So, but I'm not even just talking about. I'm talking about the. I'm almost talking about the players themselves. I mean, you kind of saw it with Georgia last year in the SEC title game. 12 and 0. They knew they were in. They didn't they didn't care. They yeah, sure. Would we like to be the one seed? Sure. Do we have to be? No. And Alabama ruled them. Right. I I think obviously in like, oh, you never you always want to say, oh, well, well, you you're an athlete, you're locked in, but subconsciously you're there is a little bit there's a little bit of an edge that's missing when it's not do or die yeah but like, little... I, I i do i agree but like we still watch the nfl and there is not that edge on a week-to-week basis yeah ah, and we still watch it I, I still think at the end of the day it's football and we're so ingrained on our saturdays having to include these these monster matchups of games that the stakes the stakes will change and people will get used to the stakes very quickly. It's like the four, it's like the four team playoff as opposed to the BCS. People complained about four teams at first. And now you just kind of accept that this is the norm. This yep. is what games That's meet true. now. And I That's think, I think fans, they've got us so sucked in at this point that fans are willing to adapt as long as they get their eight hours of football on a Saturday. Afternoon. That's fair. There is the Stockholm syndrome. And the other aspect is, and like I said, I see both sides. Like that's why I'm torn is, the longer you keep the season alive for more teams, maybe you do create more games that matter. Maybe if you're Alabama now and you know your season's over, when you go play Auburn in the last game of the year, why do I care if I'm ten and two or nine and three? I've already right. lost. That's a However, great point. But if you're Alabama and it's ten and two and you're on the fringe, or, or you're nine and two on the fringe, I gotta go beat Auburn. So I, I, I do see both sides. It's, I, I. The other, the other thing I did want to bring in is. At some point, how many more games are you going to bring in before you start revenue sharing with the players and start cutting <laughs> regular season games? You, I mean, they're not getting directly paid, and no. with a with a twelve team playoff, unless you have a bye week, you're introducing what is it, possibly four games for a team? I can't. How are you going to go ask a kid who's got finals, who's got who's got a life to go play sixteen games a year like he's a professional? See, my interpretation of the 12 team, you're adding a potentially, well, A, so 12 teams would mean four of them get a bye, so you would play two games. If you're one of those eight teams, you would play three extra games. So that's essentially two extra games. My interpretation of that was that we were going to lose a non-conference game, that three non-conference games would turn into two. If that's the case, really bad an eye at that, to be honest. Again, and the other thing, uh, the other thing I absolutely love, I mean, love about expansion. I wish this would apply to the quarterfinals as well, but it doesn't. On campus playoff games, I want to see a team who's never seen snow before cross the Mason Dixon line and come to Ann Arbor, come to East Lansing, come to Happy Valley. Hell, they can go to Madison, Wisconsin for all I care, but I want to see them play in sub-60 weather. Like, that's the one thing I absolutely adore, and I'm incredibly annoyed that they're only adopting it for the quote-unquote play-in games where the five-seed plays through the 12. Because, oh, who cares? I don't I don't care about Ole Miss coming up there. I want to see the Al- I want to see Alabama come up and play in snow. Yeah. But they're never going to. I mean, that... That's another thing, though. Like, 
it would it would work the other way as Alabama would also be in our in that hypothetical would more times than not be playing at home and it would oh, yeah. require it would require a Penn State a Wisconsin a Michigan State to go into Tuscaloosa in December and have to play a playoff game at home in Alabama. Yeah, that's fair. Um, maybe scratch. No, actually, no, not scratch that. On-campus playoff <laughs> games need to be a thing. Like, I, listen, you want to keep your oh my New Year's six. I have to make it special. You want to keep it for the semifinals. So be it. But they said they were going to make the quarterfinals bowl games too. And just stop with the neutral site bullshit. Stop with the corporate blow bangs. I want to see fans at a game. I don't want to see a golf outing where everyone's. <laughs> I, I I remember why. Like you remember during the pandemic where they started rerunning a bunch of games because there was no sports. Yeah. I remember watching USC Texas. Was it 05 where Vince Young runs it in? I believe it's right around that age. Whatever it was. When he runs it into the Rose Bowl. I remember one of the camera angles, once it was night out, pans out, and they they show the whole stadium. On symmetrical line, 50% orange, 50% red. And that was before that – was, that was still with the passion there. You can never see that again. Because 70% of tickets now go to all the corporate sponsors so they can sit there and say, oh, thank you, DraftKings. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I'm just impressed you could tell the difference between red and orange because I definitely couldn't. My colorblind. Oh, you're colorblind, though. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> I would have been sitting there and go, wow, different shades of brown. <laughs> no, it's just please, like I, I were kind of diving into a rabbit hole, but I, I just wish there was more – like that's the one thing where I remember when they originally started talking about expansion to eight teams before they'd even mentioned 12. I was like, listen, if you want to do that, go for it. But for the love of God, play on campus games. And they're not going to play that many of them. They're going to play four. That's, that's meh. But I don't know. I guess that's, do we even want to talk about Michigan state's big win or do we want to? No. I mean, we can mention it. Big win. Defense looked great. Move on. Hey, we're hey, we're back on track for bowling seat for bowl seat. Yeah, that was what I the people I was watching with it like Tiberski were just like getting my hopes of, like getting so excited about a six and six possibility. And I was like, oh like realistically they'll find a way to lose to one of Indiana or Rutgers and they're not beating that state. The only thing I'll say is, um, I'm sure maybe this Tiberski made the same point is for the younger players, the extra practices do, do matter. Um it's more exposure to college level. It's more exposure to the weight room. It's more exposure to playing extra games. And I think specifically Michigan State, I forget when the two year two years were, but they went six and six one year. And I want to say they won the Big Ten title the next. So it's absolutely possible that I'm not saying that's the catalyst for it, but getting that extra rep in, getting those getting those extra scrimmages in for the players does matter. And so yeah. They can get to six and six and go play San Jose State somewhere in Idaho. Good for them. Give the players their goodie bags. Have them have, give them their little beats or whatever. But I I think it's important that they do get to six and six. So big win. Um, playing in a hurricane. Do you see the numbers? It was like sixty mile an hour winds. Was it really? I, it didn't seem as bad as like for the Ohio State game. No, it was worse there. The Ohio State oh, game really? was like forty mile an hour. Um, they were they were gusting at Illinois or in Champaign between fifty and sixty. 
Is this your excuse for? Uh, nope. No, there there is no excuse, but <laughs> for extra points, I mean. No, there's no excuse. I'm his, just stating his that thirty yard miss cost me cost me the over. <laughs> oh boy, but I don't know. Um, let's move on to the NFL. Um, to another big win. Hey, lots of. When was the last time someone could say Michigan State, Michigan, and the Lions won on the same day? Uh, I believe it was week three. I don't think so. No, because I think that's when we lost to Washington. Yeah, that's right. Week three was the week two win, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was last season. Maybe. Yeah, season maybe. maybe. That's what I'm saying. But, no, um, we'll go, let's kind of we'll, we'll talk about it right now. Let's go right into it. Is it a big win for the Lions? Like, this is one of those where I, I know I texted you, I texted other people right after it, and it is, I actually do not know how to feel. Yeah, it's one of those things where I've, I've kind of checked out mentally with them. Like, I'm on to next year. There's some pieces there to move, look forward to in the future. Um, this is not a good team. But you can trick yourself into um, thinking, oh, it's the Packers. Oh, it's the Packers. Like, Packers the Packers sink. The Packers, we can get into the Packers. They suck, and Aaron Rodgers is just – I'm Probably the most entertaining part was him just like the disgust he has for his receivers, his head coach. is just so entertaining at this point. Yep. Real life, like, dramedy series. Yep. Um, but, yeah. I, but as a Lions fan, all these years, you could trick yourself into going, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers still. And, like, think yourself into, oh, this is a good win. This is, like, maybe we do have something here. Um, obviously it's way off. I mean, the Vikings are, are, I already, I think they're four and a half games ahead of anyone else. In the, right, the Vikings have already won the division, but yeah. um, no, the, the other thing that's funny about the Packers is you didn't just beat just like the, the shitty Packers. You beat what was left of them. I think that I was looking at it. Seven of their starters left that game. <laughs> and that's of who's left from the starters. Yeah. They're so injured. Um, But yeah, no, Going forward, I mean, like you said, there are pieces. Kirby Joseph looks legit. Um, I know the one thing that was interesting was we've talked about that trade moving up for Jameson Williams and kind of giving up that pick 32 and pick 34 where maybe mm-hmm. maybe we were targeting safety, whether it be Louis Seen or Jaquan Brisker. Um, I know that, like, I've, I've harped on the trade, but – if Kirby Joseph's going to play like that, what am I going to do? Maybe I don't like the pick, but you, Kirby Joseph, I can probably confidently say he's played better than Louis Seen and then probably just as well as Jaquan Brisker has for the Bears. So, if, I mean, if he, he that, that game for him was amazing. The, the, he's had the hit stick fumbles, the interceptions. The, he's played amazing. Um, I mean, Hutchinson had a pick. Um, I originally thought it was a great play. I remember I re- I rewatched it this morning, and oh lord, did Rogers throw a terrible pass? Yeah, good uh, things, but like if he threw or if he threw an actual ball to him, it was yeah, pretty easy touchdown. Yeah. Yep, no, like you said, I don't know, like we were talking about it earlier. You you got to be in position to make that play because that pass was not going to get caught by Bakhtiari. It was three yards short of him, so you put yourself in a position to capitalize on someone else's mistake, which is something that the Lions never do. Usually right. it's the other way around. It's teams waiting for us to, to, to beat ourselves. So it's nice that you gave yourself even a chance. And so that was a good play. Um, 
but like you said, we're we're two and six on a talent de- deficient team. This is not something you come back from. Um, and I, I say it that way because let, let's say if we were the 49ers and we had the 49ers talent, I would still be mentally checked in two or three games under 500 because I know the players are there that can turn it around. Yeah. Uh, I also like the – I see the complaint a lot now with the win is like, oh, you just blew the the number one pick. Is like yep. there's – it's so early in the season. Like, Oh, yeah. He, I mean – already have a win and a tie. They're clearly not as bad as some of these teams – in the past that are like, oh, and whatever going into the final weeks in the season. Like yep. there's a very, and they play in the worst division in football. There's a very realistic chance. They get another win. There's a realistic chance. We get another win. There's still oh. football to be played that like, I don't really think like it's the end all be all that like, oh, like the lions are going to be two and 15. The Texans are going to be one <laughs> 15 and one. That'd be disappointing if it ended that way, but yeah. no, I, I agree. Um, it, there's, there's still 12, 11 football games to be played. That is a lot of, that's a lot of time. And like you mentioned, um, the schedule gets, the schedule gets, I don't, I don't want to say easy because you can't say that in the NFL, but the schedule opens up after Thanksgiving. I mean, after the Bills, we play Jaguars, trash. Vikings, who even though they're seven and one, we should have beaten them in Minnesota. I'll, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's a toss-up because they are better than us. But yeah. it's, it's not a game that you can't win. The Jets, I mean, the Jets keep winning, so I guess I might have to consider that a uh, – even though I even though I refuse to believe that they're that good that quickly. But we'll say it's another one of those kind of where it, – it, it, there's a chance. They got, they got three losses for a reason. The Panthers suck. The Bears – they have sucked, but with Justin Fields, they're playing a little better, and we can't cover mobile quarterbacks, so I'll call that a toss-up. And then the Packers, who suck. So yeah. the schedule does open up at the end of the year for the Lions to pick up some wins, and that's one of those things where it's like, do you want them to? Do you want them to go from 3-8 and eight all the way up to 6-11 and 11 and screw your draft pick? Do you want them to do that? I don't know. Like at some, do I want to keep rooting for draft picks? No, I want to. I want to root for wins at some point, but I want to root for wins that matter. That's the other point. I know I've I, I've, I've talked about that. Is I yeah, I love winning more than I love more. I love winning football games, but I don't like wasting those wins when they don't help. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page on that. Um, what point do you think you get to? So say we win. I, I mean, I know we play the Bears on Sunday. I'm not really sure what the schedule looks. I know the, the Bills on Thanksgiving. Say we win two. Say we win one of the next three, two of the next four, and we're sitting there and we're, I don't know, four and seven or something along those lines. So, like, yeah, I mean. Like, do you just try and go, okay, like, we're already at the like at the best looking at the fourth or fifth pick, like, might as well try and go for it here these last six games and try and go seven and nine or something yep. like that. Or so, these- yeah, my that's still get a top five pick. That's kind of a perfect scenario, which I I I think I did think about the throughout the work week so far is um our our next three games, which kind of take us to that uh to that mark where you just said four and seven is Bears on the road, Giants on the road, Bills at home. Mm. If we found a way to go two and three during those games. 
wins. And you'd presume those wins are Bears and Giants. I mean, the Bills just lost to the Jets, so it's not like it's not possible, but you don't expect anything there. I mean, let's be real, it's the Bills and the Lions. But if the Lions Yeah, no, if the Lions found a way to be four and seven after Thanksgiving, I don't hate going for it because like like you just said, and like we've talked about, Jaguars. Not good. Five and seven. Vikings at home. At five and seven and Vikings at home, maybe the crowd checks back in. Maybe you do have some home field advantage that you saw in the first couple games. And let's say you steal one. Six and seven. Jets on the road. Maybe maybe we'll we'll count we'll count that as a loss because we can't be overly optimistic. Six and eight. Panthers on the road. The Panthers blow. And the Panthers look like they're actively tanking. So you might be looking at seven and eight. Here's the problem. Actually, it might not be a problem, but here's my problem is so you have the East where you're going to have the Cowboys and possibly the Giants with at least 10 wins and having to be a wild card. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the NFC West that's going to have two or three teams at least at eight or nine wins that are going to be. So like, if you, if you want to talk about buying into a season for me at four and seven, I don't want to hear anything unless we have a legit chance of going like eight and nine, nine and eight. That's like, it's still not a playoff spot. I don't know. That's actually an interesting point. I actually have not even considered about the fact that there are other teams and like to get a wild card spot, you have to make sure the other wild card teams aren't better than you. And like you just said, the, the, the Cowboys for sure will have more wins than us. The the Giants. I don't want to. The Giants should have more wins than us. They have a win head start. Yeah, they're already yeah. But and then, then you look at the West with Seattle leading division. You gotta imagine the, the Rams are gonna I know they, they look awful right now, but they're gonna have at least seven, eight wins. San Francisco's gonna have eight, nine, ten wins. Yeah, I think San Francisco wins the division. I, I think they uh But my point is all three of those teams yeah. are gonna be around the nine win mark to where like you're yeah. gonna need so much help to where it is it even worth it? I, I that is an interesting point where like like you just said like I, is nine and eight good enough to get into the playoffs this year because if it's not what are you doing because you're not getting to ten wins let's be real we're not we're not running the table bar one game this year we're not we're not we're not that kind of team even so, nine wins is is us going what seven uh, and three the rest of the season yeah seven and three which Ooh. like I said we'd have to be over optimistic and- but it's 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 the scenario exists. I don't know. It's it's a big ass for the Lions, no matter who they're playing. They could be playing high school teams, and I I wouldn't necessarily believe. No, I, I completely agree. I'm just saying, if they got to four and seven after the Bills game, I would look around the league, and if I saw based off schedules, the possibility to sneak into the playoffs at nine and eight. Screw it. Why not? Why not? But if it doesn't exist, and let's say they go out there and Justin Fields turns into prime Michael Vick again, like he did last week, and we lose, I mean, just like I, I don't want to sit there and say actively tank, but like shut down Swift, don't let Jamison Williams come back until the end of the year because I mean I still believe you do have to see if he can play. Right. Like I know there's people who are like oh don't let him play till next year. It's like well I still want to know if he can play. Um, and just figure out that but yeah i am it's crazy that we're talking about this after one win against the packers we're talking about buying back in 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm just I'm I'm playing playing dumb. I mean, I, I again, I don't I don't think I'll be either. But if if they if they show that they can win some games, why not buy back in? Why not have some fun? Why not get broken? I've checked out of this season. I'll see you in 2023. There you go. Oh, I want to start mock draft season. I love mock draft season. Um, any other NFL? I have a couple of. Uh, yep. Take us, take us, take us around the league. Oh, around the league. So obviously, a big win on Monday night by the Ravens. I'm very high on them. I think they is long as the defense can kind of come along here in the next couple of weeks. I think they're um one of the best teams. I think it's pretty clear who the best three teams are in the AFC, and I actually don't think. It's interesting because now I don't think like anyone is elite in any aspect. I don't think the Eagles are that good. They're undefeated. I don't think the Cowboys are that good. They're, you know, they only have one or two losses. And then you look at the AFC, the Chiefs, you know, look very mortal Sunday night. They found a way to win. They always do. Um, the Bills obviously had a bad loss to the Jets, um, which talking about the Jets and the, the Bills, the AFC East has four teams above 500, has three teams that really look like could actually go deep. I mean, I, I hate saying the Jets look like that, but the Jets have week in and win at, week out have looked like a team that could do that. Yep. Like you said, no one wants to play the Jets anymore. It's not. It's not like either. years past. But you got four teams above five hundred in that division. That's pretty cool, even at this point in the season. Um, then the third team is probably to me goes from week to week with the Ravens. For me, I like Lamar a lot, and you got to look at probably one of the best quarterbacks in football right now. I know he has the weapons is Tua in the AFC East and the Dolphins are just as they haven't lost when he's played a full complete game. He is, he is six and zero oh in games. He started and finished. You're absolutely right. You know, I've said it a million times. I am the, I am the driver of the Tua bandwagon. I've been on the Tua bandwagon since he came out of school. I wanted us to take him. Didn't happen, but what are you going to do? Um, no, the the Ravens I think are a very interesting pick because you know they they made moves at the deadline go get Roquan Smith that signify we we were buying into this season we believe we can win and they absolutely can I mean you've got one of the most unique offenses the NFL's ever seen with the way they run the ball with seventeen different players down your throat you've got one of the best athletes at the quarterback position that's ever been seen and. The one kind of knock on Baltimore is they are kind of front runners in the sense that if you play their game, you won't beat them. But if you jump out to a 10-point lead and you now know, oh, well, I, if I, if they score on me once, it is what it is, and they have to start throwing, that's how you beat them. And that's what's, that, that's how they've been caught out in the playoffs so far. But there maybe there will be there will come a time where they won't get caught out and the defense will do their jobs and Lamar will dictate his game. They'll run their game plan kind of the Mark D'Antonio wet dream of we want to run the ball 40 times a game. And if we can do that, we'll be successful. Yeah, it's the – we have Lamar, and then every once in a while we'll throw something to Mark Andrews thing. Yeah. No, it's – they're at the, – the, the Ravens are – Yeah, no, the Ravens are absolutely a team that can do damage. So I think but, them and the, the Dolphins kind of trade off for me as that third best team. I, think they, I buy it. Clearly. I buy it. Um, in that category. Uh, but other than that, I mean – no one looks like – even like the Bills and the – like I just said, they look mortal, man. No, there is no – there is Everyone, no 2019 Chiefs or 2020 Chiefs that are just rolling at 15, 16, 17, and 1 into the playoffs. 
No, I mean the Chiefs. They won. Granted, you wait. You play the schedule and you play to win the game. You don't play yeah. the score. But they, they they barely slid by a Malik Willis Titans team. Who I'll talk about the Titans. Even with Malik Willis in there, they're just a physical brute team. Mike Vrabel has them just like salivating to play football and go head to head contact every Sunday, and it's yeah. insane. And they're going to make another playoff run because of that. Oh, the one thing you talk about Mike Vrabel, I instantly said, oh, well, that's a coach that players want to play for, but a coach that actually knows how to coach. We right. didn't even talk about Dan Campbell. The, the, the scariest thing about that win is his seat just got a little colder, which is sad because he did everything in his power to lose that game. Those stupid fourth down calls. God. Like he, like, he just continues to do dumb stuff after dumb stuff after dumb stuff. And it somehow worked out for him this week. That that's, I I I'm, I am petrified of that man, being our coach in 2023. Absolutely petrified. He's going to be. I think you have to wrap your your head around that. I don't Never want to podcast without some Dan Campbell slander, but it's it's just quite impossible. I've learned. Listen, I'm going to slander the guys who are worth slandering. Look, I. Aiden Hutchinson was public enemy number one on this podcast. You know what happened? They moved him to the other side of the line, and he's playing much better. He's making plays. And you haven't heard the slander anymore. Do I, yeah, I still want to see a little bit more consistency out of him. There you go. There's the Aiden Hutchinson slander. But he's played much better. Dan Campbell is not. He is continuing to make decision after decision to put his team in the wrong position to win, which is not what you do as a coach. Also, a couple things. You want to talk about the luckiest human being of all time? Who? Tom Brady. Oh, I was going to add, that was my next one. Is he looked so elated to get that one? I mean, I, w- I wasn't even talking about that. I was going to kind of bring up something with the AFC East. Tom Brady is four and five and is a division leader. And his old coach, Bill Belichick, is 5-4 and four and is in last place in his division. There has never been a man as lucky as Tom Brady. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> the other thing... They were I lucky was, to win that game. They were oh, lucky yeah. to lose oh, the yeah. entire game. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, I mean, we talked about teams looking immortal, and obviously the Eagles are still undefeated. Do you want to know a list of all of the quarterbacks that the Eagles have played this year? And all the quarterbacks that they will play this year. Is it is it good or bad? No, it's trash. This might be the worst collection of cubes. Like, they might be playing, and I quote, the bottom 15 in the league. We start with Jared Goff. Right. We go to, and I emphasize, primetime Kirk Cousins. Not the right. noon, not noon nightmare MVP Kirk Cousins. Primetime Kirk Cousins. Not a very good quarterback. Carson Wentz. Oh. Trevor Lawrence. Taylor oh. Murray during double XP weekend of COD, Cooper <laughs> Rush, Mitch Trubisky, Davis Mills. Now they're going to play Taylor Heineke. Then they're going to go play against Sam Ellinger. Then they're going to play what's <laughs> left of the Packers. Then they might be playing Malik Willis. Then you've got Daniel Jones, Justin Fields, Dak Prescott. I don't know who starts a quarterback for the Saints anymore. It might be Taysom Hill by the time they play him. And then Daniel James Jones again. Back. Daniel Jones, yeah, that's that is, is. Is that not the worst collection of quarterbacks you can play? I think you named three three names that I would say are solid. 
That's cool. it. The whole season. Aaron, I would say Aaron Rodgers, Dak. Yeah. Are all yeah, solid. Rodgers, Dak being healthy again, and then what? Justin Fields at this point? I don't even know. I said Kyle. I said Kyler was my third. Kyler yeah, Martin. I mean, I guess like he doesn't Maybe. look very. It hurts me to say this, but he doesn't look very all right this year. No, the he's been mid. Terrible. He's been mid, as the kids say. Yeah. No, but like that's what I'm saying. Can you imagine that being a list of quarterbacks you faced? That's so bad in the NFL. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a, funny to me. They're the worst. Was it the Steelers two years ago? Yeah, the worst 17 and 0 team ever, whatever it was, and they got blitzed by the Browns in the playoffs. Yeah, I want to see the Steelers were 11, got to like 11 or 12 and 0. Yep, and, they, and, and then I think they lost out. <laughs> yeah, they went like 13 and 3 or 12 and 4 after starting 11 and 0. And then they got <laughs> the first round of the playoffs. Oh, God. Everyone knew, too. It was like they were sitting there at like 11 and 2, and everyone's like, well, this team. Well, didn't they have some injuries, if memory serves me correctly? Didn't didn't a couple of their key guys get hurt, and it just kind of fell off a cliff? But I mean, Roethlisberger gets hurt every game. So. Well, yeah, and Roethlisberger also couldn't throw. He was like Peyton Manning at the end, minus the fact that like it just didn't work out for him. Like There was a reason why um the, t- the tight ends loved it, because he couldn't throw it down the field anymore, so it was just dump off City. I don't know. Um, oh, Lord. I, I still can't wrap my head around that list of QBs. Um, so moving on to some kind of end of the show stuff, I would like to mention that the Houston Astros did win the World Series. Oh, yeah, get into that a little bit. Yeah, so Justin Verlander got his first World Series win, and I believe his 10th start. Um, good for him. Another former Tiger getting another ring. I know that's the second. Um, but at least this one didn't come with cheating scandals. Uh, just kind of yet, like yeah yeah to me the astros were just i mean the the phillies had just this dynasty run they got hot at the end um with the first were one of the wild cards um after they do have a full team of talent it should have been a playoff team anyways um but they still had to get hot at the right time made it all the way through the nfc um or nfc nl uh, <laughs> and, uh on the other side you had the astros who were you know, right up there with the Yankees is the best team in the AL the entire season. Um, and then they absolutely body the Yankees. So there's no doubt that they were going to be there in the end. Um, to, for me, one of the biggest things is they're, they're new. They just kind of replenish shortstops. They let Correa go, have a new stud 25-year-old that was basically one of their best players the entire World Series. Um, the staff is good. Um, Alvarez, Verlander. Like, I, I just don't get it, how they can hit on so many of these guys so quickly and the Tigers can't. Um, and I guess that speaks to what a good organization is and what Alavila is. Um, so I'll leave it there. Unfortunate that Bryce Harper couldn't get his ring. He was so good this postseason. The Phillies were just electric yeah. in general. Seeing a Philadelphia team make late runs is always electric because it's just always – Passionate cool. fans. They're just such a mad, rabid – rabid infested fan base i don't know if that makes sense but no it does they're crazy they, they love their sports teams um though oh, speaking of finally getting his ring dusty baker yeah not a huge fan of his but you know whatever. you give enough you give enough to the game and yeah you I know mean, what congrats buddy sitting, he, he has his uh views that are just kind of probably not the best but uh yeah i mean he looks old. He kind of looks old as time in there with his little toothpick in the dugout. So it's good that he could finally get one. 
<laughs> He's like Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's been 80 for 80 years. Yeah, dude, it feels like Nor Morgan Mandela. Morgan Freeman played Nelson Mandela. Can you tell I'm tired? Yes. You need uh, to pass your bedtime. It's not quite there, but <laughs> I'm going to try and give an attempt to reading books after this podcast, but it's just not going to go well. So reading books after 9, 9.30 doesn't ever go well. But anyways, it felt like Morgan Freeman 20 years ago was Nelson Mandela. And I look at it. You look at Morgan. Have you ever seen Shawshank? Yeah, of course. You look at him in Shawshank. I don't think he's aged, especially so, when he gets to the end of the movie. Like there's a little bit less makeup on him. Yeah, uh, I want to. I want to Google how old he actually is. He's he's got to be near eighty, right? Do you want to take a guess? Yes, I'm gonna call eighty on the dot just because I don't want to guess. He's eighty five. Oh my! How old's Harrison Ford? While you while you got the Google pulled up, I would want. I'm gonna guess seventy eight. What's your guess? Eighty again. He is eighty on the dot. Oh my god. Harrison Ford's funny because like he's still filming another Indiana Jones, and it's like, dude, come on. Well, you want to hear what's crazy? Is someone crazy doing movies? Do you want to hear how old Clint Eastwood is? Ninety-nine. He's ninety-two. What movie is he doing? I don't know, but he's been he's been doing stuff like recently. Jesus. He uh, he's got a twenty twenty-one movie. He was like the he was like that drug mule movie twenty. Oh, that was four years ago. Wow. Clint Eastwood was older than like our parents' generation of movie go movie goers. Like, how is this man like getting ready to like? Yeah, like his star first in films movie, for our kids. Yeah, the first movie that comes up for him is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and that's from 1966. <laughs> when my parents were born. My parents were born in '73. <laughs> yeah, this is uh. Like, look, 1965, 1964, 73. He did a lot of old West movies in the uh, 60s and 70s. We'll just say that. God. God, that's, that's, was like Trouble with the Curb. He was old as time in that, that little baseball movie. He was in Trouble with the Curb? Yeah. That was like he was an old scout that was like losing his eyesight but could still hear. And Amy Adams was his, his like lawyer daughter. Oh, okay, yeah. And those okay. came back and they scouted this guy that was supposed to go first overall. Yeah, the what was it, uh, Taco Boy or whatever the the evil pro antagonist called him. Yeah, yeah. And they they draft the guy one overall and he sucks. And then but then they find the uh, the guy that's selling peanuts, Peanut Boy. Peanut Boy. Is apparently this left-hander that just throws ninety-eight miles an hour <laughs> and finds it. Yeah, that's. I don't know, but Hollywood, man, Hollywood. Yeah, crazy. Oh, this was I. I miss our little. Uh, I miss our little non-sports chats. I know during the dead period, we kind of we got into those a decent bit sometimes with movies. Maybe maybe that's something that makes a return during during next year's dead period. Maybe we can talk a little bit about it. It's it's entertaining. Yeah. Hmm. Well, how how do you want to how do you want to leave the viewers off? What do you want to say? What do you what what are you thinking? I don't really have anything too magical to say. I'm just going to leave with some good words of wisdom for the folks that have made it this far. Um, just uh, try to be the best person you can tomorrow. 
and the next day after that, just wake up and just be the best that you can. Okay, that's I I can't really um everyone if if you've made it this far say uh, say amen with uh, Father Connor there after his uh incredible sermon and enjoy the rest of your week. Peace. And with your spirits.